now you can turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to read chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 13. You can find it in your pew Bibles, page 1519, or you can follow along on the slides up there. Matthew 14, verses 1 through 13. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered him a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the, the daughter of Herodias danced for them and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guest, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in, in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried him. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Thus ends our reading of God's infallible word. May all who hear it develop the steadfast faith of John the Baptist. Well, as we have been going through the Gospel of Matthew and learning more and more about the kingdom of heaven and this one who rules over it, we have also seen man's reaction to this king and to his kingdom. We've seen awe and wonder as Jesus healed the sick, cast out demon, and even raised the dead. And we, and we saw those that, that, that who had left behind the things of this world and chose to follow Jesus. We saw that they were, were considered Christ's brothers and sisters and, and mothers. But over the past few chapters, we've also seen both rejection and hostility towards this king and his kingdom. There were the cities of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Towns that refused to repent, even though mighty works had been performed in them. And then there were the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, those who were plotting to kill Jesus simply because he was dismantling both their worldview and their power structure. And if you remember, they were the ones who had hardened their hearts so much that, that they blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And then just last week, we, we saw that even the people of Jesus' hometown of Nazareth had, had rejected their king because they couldn't see past his humanity. They were blind to his divine nature. And so what we've seen in Matthew's telling of Jesus' story is this, this mix of a, of a growing popularity and an ever-increasing hostility. There were many who loved Jesus and there were many who hated him. But if you recall from, from Matthew 11, there was one man who, who 
was, who was having these tiny, tiny doubts when it came to Christ. John the Baptist had sent his disciples to, to question Jesus to see if he was the one who was to come or whether they should expect someone else. John, John had asked this because he didn't fully understand the, the, the timing of the kingdom. Yes, uh, the healings and all the miraculous signs all pointed to Jesus being the Messiah, but there was a lack of God's judgment being brought upon the wicked. You see, while Jesus was bringing about the kingdom, John was sitting in a prison, suffering for that kingdom. And he had to be wondering to himself, when will my king set me free? Look how Jesus answered him. Look back again once, once again at Matthew 11, verse 4. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is preached to the poor. These are all signs of the Messiah written about in the book of Isaiah. But Jesus didn't end there. He also said this. Look at verse 6. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. In other words, there will be some who will have to suffer for the name of Christ. But with that suffering will come blessings as well. John would not find his freedom in this life. He would remain a prisoner in chains until his dying day. And, and today we see the end of this man's story as his earthly fate would be decided by a cruel and vicious king. Let's, let's look at our text and see how this plays out. Look at Matthew 14, verses 1 through 5. At that time, Herod the, the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus. And he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and, and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered him a prophet. Now the first question we must ask is this. Who is this Herod? I mean, we have heard this name before, have we not? Back in chapter 2, it, it was Herod the Great who had ordered the slaughter of the, of the young boys of Bethlehem. And he did this in, in his effort to kill a very young Jesus. But the, but the Herod that we're reading about today is not Herod the Great, but Herod the Tetrarch. It was Herod the Great's son, Herod Antipas. You see, when, when, when Herod the Great had died, he, he had ordered that his kingdom be divided amongst three of his sons and one of his daughters. They would each be a tetrarch, or one of four rulers. And it was Herod Antipas who inherited the regions of Galilee and Perea. 
this Antipas, he was not satisfied with what, what his father had ordered. And so he traveled all the way to Rome to argue his case in order that he might be given the whole of the kingdom. But it was Caesar Augustus who denied his request and told him, just be satisfied with what you had been given. So, settling in as a, as a tetrarch of Galilee and Perea, one of the first things that Antipas needed to do was to secure his southern border. For Perea was, was a contested region. It, it bordered the kingdom of Nabatea, where, where, where there were disputes between the people. And in order for Herod to maintain peace, he ended up marrying the daughter of the, the Nabatean king. However, as we'll soon find out, that marriage didn't last. Antipas would eventually divorce his wife in order to be with Herodias, who was the wife of his half-brother Philip. Are you picturing this? This was a politically explosive move. For not only did it upset the Nabataeans, but it, but it also offended the Jews of his own region. This was not how a Hebrew king should be behaving. Leviticus, Leviticus 18 verse 15 states this. Do not have sexual relations with your brother's wife. That would dishonor your brother. And again in Leviticus 20 verse 21. If a man marries his brother's wife, it is an act of impurity. He has dishonored his brother. They will be childless. Basically, what we see going on here is someone who wanted to have his cake and eat it too. Antipas, while he hungered for political power, he also wanted to satisfy the cravings of his own flesh. In fact, he desired that even more. By caving to his sinful desires, he lost stability at his southern border and had become hated by the people of his own region. And it's not like this man was popular to begin with, for folks had already viewed him as a puppet for Rome. But by marrying Herodias, he had proved to them that he had no regard for their Jewish customs or the God that they worshipped. In essence, he was living like a Roman. And it was John the Baptist who pointed this out day after day. John had something that Herod wanted. He had the ears of the people. They had considered him to be a, a prophet of God. But as God's prophet, John had called out the sin of this impulsive ruler. Suffice it to say, this did not sit well with, with either Herod or his new bride, Herodias. These rebukes from John were hurting him politically. So what did Herod do? He had John arrested in order to shut him up. But, but, but he couldn't kill the man, even though he wanted to. For the people loved John greatly. And Herod, well, he feared the people. And he knew that if they, if they rioted, Rome would take away his power. I hope you're getting the sense of how corrupt this Herod Antipas really was. This was a man who, who, who took what he wanted, not caring who he hurt along the way. And if you opposed him, he would silence you. 
This leads us to another day, Herod's birthday, where we see the corruption of this man exposed once more. Look at verses 6 through 8. On Herod's birthday, the, the daughter of Herodias danced for them and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. Now the scene that we have just entered into uh, was something that would have scandalized any first century Jew. And Matthew knows this. For what we see is the epitome of Herod's rejection of the Jewish ways. For one, he, he was celebrating his birthday. This was not something that, that was done by the Jews at this time. Even the modern practice, practice of, of a bar mitzvah had, had yet to come about. No, a, a birthday celebration was a Roman tradition, particularly for those who were in power. For example, by this time, the, the celebration of Caesar's birthday had become a Roman religious holiday. It was a day when feasts were held in, in worship of this man. And in mimicry, we, we, see, we see Herod doing the exact same thing. Desiring accolades for himself, he threw this party in his own honor. He was acting like a little Caesar. But more than that, what, what went on at this party should cause us all to blush. For we see the daughter of Herodias, a girl roughly the age of 13, dancing for this man. Again, Matthew's original audience would have known exactly what this meant. Don't get me wrong, the, the Jews, they did dance, but, but it was always a communal type of dancing. Typically, they would, they would join together, linking arms in a circle, and, 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 and go around in a circle dancing in joyous celebration of either a marriage or maybe a good harvest that year. But, but the dancing that's referred to in our passage was the dance of a lone girl. It was meant to put on a show. And it would have been erotic in nature, if not pornographic. This was a very young woman trying to please her uncle-slash-stepdad. Now when we read a text like this, the author intends us to be scandalized. Right now, you should be squirming in your pews. You should be getting red in the face and embarrassed that your pastor would say such things. It should cause your jaw to drop and, and for you to cover your mouth. Herod, however, was not embarrassed. So engrossed was he, was he in his sin that he began to speak without thinking. And, and he made an oath to this young girl offering her anything she wanted. Not knowing what to do, she, this young girl went to her mother seeking advice. And what was the advice of Herodias? What did she want? The head of John Baptist. Of course, this left Herod Antipas in a tight spot. He was stuck between a rock and a hard place. Look at our next verse, verse 9. The king was distressed because of his oaths and his dinner guests. He ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. 
This distress that Herod was feeling had, had less to do with a guilty conscience and more to do with political pressure. We've already seen from verse 5 that, that Herod wanted John dead. No, this, this anguish that he was feeling had, had to do with the quandary that he was in. For on the one hand, if, if he went through with the girl's request, he would lose what little favor he had with the people he was ruling. And remember, he, they, they already didn't like him. He, he was viewed as a fraudulent king. And to kill John the Baptist might just start a riot. On the other hand, if he refused her request, he would lose face with his audience. To not keep his oath would make him seem deceitful and weak-willed. But as we've seen thus far, Herod was a man given to impulsiveness. And just like most impulsive men, the, the, the pressure of the moment got to him and he succumbed. He gave in to her request and had John decapitated. Now, if you were scandalized by the main course, you should be horrified by the dessert. It is one thing to sentence a man to death, but it is quite another to have him beheaded and then to have that head displayed like some sort of meal on a serving platter. Now, beheadings were typically reserved for warfare. They were used as warnings to the enemy that there would be judgment without mercy. Probably the most famous beheading in the Bible is the story of David and Goliath. After David had felled the giant, he, he took Goliath's own sword and cut off his head. When, when the enemies of Israel saw this, what did they do? They turned and fled because, because they knew what that meant. David and the Israelites were going to be ruthless. They would show them no mercy. And there was no mercy given to John the Baptist either. In grotesque fashion, his, his head was removed and given to this girl on a, on a serving platter. This birthday celebration demonstrates the horrific and sinful life of this false king. Herod was a man who claimed to be a Jewish leader, but lived like a Gentile. He ignored Jewish customs and denied the word of God. Following, following the passions of his own flesh, he, he, he just took what he wanted without any consideration to the consequences. I mean, he had taken his brother's wife, only then to be enticed once again by the, by the dancing of his niece. And then he made an impulsive oath that, that would lead him to murder a man in a ghastly fashion. This was one sin that led to another, that led to another, until it seared this man's conscience. What we find in Herod Antipas is a worldly king who had embraced all the trappings of his own lust and his desire for power. And so is there any wonder that, that Herod was terrified when he heard the reports of Jesus? For, for here was another man wandering throughout Galilee, his kingdom, drawing huge crowds. Only this time, he was performing miracles as well. And this drove Herod to think that this Jesus was John the Baptist, risen from the dead. 
That's the thing about a guilty conscience. It will cause you to have sleepless nights and irrational thinking. It is that ever-nagging worry that, that burns deep within you. That worry that you're going to be caught and have to pay the piper. Let me ask you, do you have a cycle of sin in your own life that you can't seem to let go of? Do you keep committing the, the, the same transgressions over and over again? Does your conscience burn within you? Do you keep pushing it down because you value what your sin brings to you more than you value God? If this is you, then let the tale of Herod Antipas be a warning to you. Those who chase after a worldly life will never find peace. For, for being caught up in a cycle of sin leads to nothing good and will result in a growing anguish and ultimately judgment from God. Herod felt that judgment. He was filled with angst and a guilty conscience. This is why when he heard the reports of Jesus, he, he saw this man as, as even a greater threat than John the Baptist. Because of Christ gaining influence and his miraculous powers, Herod became fearful once again. And rather than recognizing Jesus for who he really is, Herod let his superstitions and his guilty conscience blind him from the truth. For these miracles of Christ should have been testimony enough that this wasn't the working of some risen prophet, rather that the kingdom of heaven had come upon Herod. And Jesus is his true king. But like his father before him, Herod Antipas only recognized himself as king. And so he tried to explain away Jesus. Who do you say Jesus is? This is a question that, that Matthew is building to. Is he just a good moral teacher? Is he a prophet? Is he John the Baptist risen from the dead? Or is he the Christ, the Son of the living God, your King who has come to rescue you from your sins? Herod Antipas, he was a man who served himself only. And in his selfishness, he manifestly shown it at this scandalous banquet. But now his chickens had come home to roost for a greater king and a, and a greater kingdom was invading his territory. But instead of bending the knee, he, he dug in all the more, claiming that Jesus was John the Baptist, risen from the dead. But fortunately, our story doesn't end with this troubling man. For news of John's death reached Jesus' ears. Look at verses 12 and 13. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Jesus had once made the claim that among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. 
He was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And the, the faithfulness of this man could be seen in the steadfastness of his final days. For John the Baptist did not fall away on account of Christ. He, he had suffered for his name. In many ways, John was the antithesis of Herod. Being a Nazarite from birth, he, he had made a lifelong vow to live a pure and holy life. He did not give in to his impulses, but remained true to God's word no matter the consequences. But even with such a virtuous life, he had humbled himself before Christ. Matthew 3 verse 11 says this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John submitted to Christ. He knew him as both Lord and Savior. And more than this, we, we, we see that his disciples, the ones that he had instructed, were doing just what he would have them do. They went straight to Jesus. They were no longer followers of John, but had become disciples of Christ. You see, John had so much confidence in Jesus that he instructed his own men to follow after him. He must increase, I must decrease. And these men, they brought news not only of John's death, but of Herod's response to Christ's ministry as well. This notion that Jesus was John the Baptist, risen from the dead, came to, to Jesus' ears. And what did Jesus do? He withdrew to a solitary place. Now we saw this thing before, when it, when it was the Pharisees plotting to kill him. The, the, Jesus would withdraw. For he knew that the, the, the time for confrontation had not yet come, and so he would retreat and continue on with his ministry. And now here, in similar fashion, Jesus, he, he was heading away from conflict, away from Herod's palace, as he waited upon his father to direct his steps. But we also see that Jesus was not able to get alone. For the crowds, what did they do? They chased after him. And, and this was exactly what Herod feared. The people leaving their cities in order to follow their true king. And as we'll learn next time with the feeding of the 5,000, that, that the banquet of Jesus Christ is nothing like that scandalous banquet of Herod. For Herod's banquet celebrated lustful pleasures and death. But Christ's banquet, it celebrates healing and life. But that is for another time. Let us pray. Father, we confess to you that, that often we desire the things of this world over you. That because of our sin, our, our hearts are conflicted. We need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to, to change us from within. That we might look to your Son and, and recognize him for who he truly is. That he is the Christ, 
the Son of the living God who has come to rescue us from our sins. Shape us, we pray, in order that we too may be like John the Baptist, steadfast to the very end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.